Welcome back to another episode of Ends With Z. I'm Juan Fernandez, along with Cecile Munoz. And Cecile, I feel like today's podcast has been one that we have been leading up to for weeks and weeks. Yes, we are super excited to have an in-studio guest who happens to be a listener. That's right. Carlos Manuel joins us. And um, thanks for being with us today, Carlos. Oh, thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. You know, he wraps up, you know, the great resignation, grind culture, and quiet quitting all into one. We, as I mentioned, have been talking about this for for several days. You kind of wonder who makes these decisions based on on what they're going through, and Carlos is a a great example of that. And we're so grateful for you to reaching out and wanting to share your story and for joining us today. And I think it's important for us to, to be able to put a real face and human being and emotion and action. A voice, Yeah, right? <laughs> a voice. Uh, well, we'll put your face up on our Instagram <laughs> post also um, behind what we're all talking about because I think it uh, it's it's important to feel that there is a community. It's important to to lean on each other and, and perhaps your story today will give um, listeners out there the courage to, whether it is to think about it a little bit more, to take action or if nothing else, to find comfort that they're not alone. So I'd love to um, share with our listeners, Carlos, a little bit about who you are and and mm-hmm. um, tell us a little bit about you. You shared some things right before we went uh, live on the mic that I found fascinating. So mm-hmm. your profession up until recently was in what? In finance, yeah. Wow. I was a finance financial center manager for mm-hmm. over 16 years, mm-hmm. working with you know, small offices, large offices, leading teams of anywhere between five to 13 people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I've been comfortable with for mm-hmm. a very long time mm-hmm. now. And it's it was time for a change. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what led me up to this point now. And, and it wasn't easy, right, Carlos? Because he was telling me, Cecile, that many customers would sit in the lobby of the bank waiting specifically for him. Mm-hmm. So many times you didn't even have a break, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, a break is something that I would consider a, uh, a luxury mm-hmm. in my case. Uh, there were times where I would be sitting even on break and someone would come and walk into the bank, into the back, demanding mm-hmm. to <laughs> see me, uh, stomping their foot saying, I need to see you. And yeah. it's just one of those things that, okay, now it's getting to a point where it's impeding on my life. But Carlos, let me ask you this, because you're talking about an industry that we know and the work that we do uh, with U.S. Executive Search, we work in in finance. I can tell you as a consumer and as a professional in the industry of knowing great talent, Mm -hmm. when I hear that, I hear that is a great employee. That is someone that has built a personal connection mm-hmm. with with your clients. That it's that it, especially in this day and age, that's everything. That in, we talk about engagement and client and client experience. That's what you personified. And if I were to ask you, did you get up and and help those clients because you had to or because you wanted to? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, 16 years of doing finance, it's not because I loved it. <laughs> I hated finance, <laughs> but I loved working with people. And I think that's the thing that kept me going back the next day was, you know, I need to be there for them as that's a person. Um, money is money. Money is numbers. Money means nothing at, at, at the point of where mm-hmm. I was. I mean, it wasn't mine. I was working with other people's money. Mm-hmm. So... Building those relationships is what kept my clients coming back. What's what made them feel comfortable? It's and that's the other mm-hmm. side that we talk about in the podcast, and that's the other side that I think is really um, uh, a, a voice that we need to bring to the quiet quitting and to the great resignation, mm-hmm. and people demanding a different 
way to be able to do what they do. And it's not that people are lazy. It is not that people don't want to go beyond whatever hours or whatever was expected of, of you because you care about your the clients you care about the people that you were serving it's it's there's not a direct correlation with people that go through what you've gone through and decide to change their lives and quit because they were lazy or because they didn't care about the work is because you should care about yourself too absolutely and to touch on that Mm -hmm. being lazy is the last thing that i would ever characterize myself Mm. as um I drove almost three and a half hours a day total to get to this job, uh, which I worked from morning to the end of the night without any breaks sometimes just so that I can uh, make a living. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was it was so important to kind of set that boundary after six years of doing that. So. There's nothing lazy about driving (laughs) three hours a day in in L.A. traffic for six years before deciding to make this what I call a calculated decision uh, to quit. And what's interesting, um, watching him explain this, Cecile, to see the peace in his face, it's obviously a decision you thought about and you're very content with, with the decision you made, which was to step back from those 16 years of banking. So what brought you to that, Carlos? What, oh, what, wow. I'm sure it was not one thing. As we say in, in the podcast, mm-hmm. most things in life is not one thing. It's one thing that maybe was the tipping point, but it's usually a composite of a lot of things that you experience in your life. What brought me to that point is mm-hmm. uh, such a great question because it's extremely difficult to answer in one mm-hmm. sentence. It's a series of things that mm-hmm. came together for me. Um, 16 years of not spending holidays with my family, Mm. Um, 16 years of not being able to partake in family weddings, birthdays, anniversaries. Mm -hmm. And you're half Greek and half Lebanese, which Mm -hmm. anyone that knows both cultures, (laughs) which I do, I know the Lebanese culture infinitely better, is family, 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 celebration, celebration, rituals, and and family connection. Absolutely. Um, we spent, I mean, I spent 16 years almost secluding myself in a way from wow. my family because I was so involved in my profession and putting my work mm. first and career and leading up to the milestones that I was really trying to achieve. Did they understand? Were they supportive? They were. I mean, Great. they saw the benefits, right? Sure. They saw that, you know, we were able to buy a home in L.A., which is something that's very <laughs> difficult to do. Almost impossible yeah. now, yeah. <laughs> um, but those are just some of the milestones that I was able to achieve. And once I achieved that, I had to step back and take a look and say, is this really worth it? Mm -hmm. I'm driving, you know, a lot. And I keep mentioning driving, but I have to say it's a big deal. It's It's a a huge deal. deal. If you don't live in Los Angeles or a major metropolitan area like San Francisco or New York, it's I'm originally from Arizona and driving an hour in Arizona is from my front door at my at my other house in Arizona to almost San Diego because there is you're no cross, traffic. You're crossing state boundaries <laughs> exactly. in that one it's hour. It's just yeah. you're driving in and you're enjoying the peace and the scenery, yeah. scenery. You're listening to music. You're singing whatever, listening to a book and tape. Here, it's bumper to bumper, near accidents, somebody slamming the brakes behind. It's very stressful. Constantly seeing accidents, mm-hmm. being rear-ended multiple times. Oh, my. Uh, you know, lightly, but still, nonetheless, it's, it's very traumatic. scary. Yeah. Um, and then seeing spin out, seeing debris in the highway, and then 
waking up and realizing that was all a dream and then having to do it all over again right. <laughs> was was the most frustrating part of all of this as um, it really plays a toll. You're exhausted when you get to work and and your and your work day hasn't even started yet. Hasn't even yeah. started. And for the most part, like I said, it was all in my dreams and then I wake up and have to relive mm. it all over again. Wow. <laughs> and when you when you started thinking about making a change, do you think it was I'm sure obviously there was modification because nobody was going into an office during COVID, but do you think COVID in any way helped formulate and crystallize where you were in your life and how you wanted to live it? COVID gave me a glimpse of what it was like to have a work-life balance, to work mm-hmm. from home for two weeks and then go back to the office for another two weeks. Oh, is that the schedule you guys That's had? That's what we okay. had for uh, about a year. Wow. And it was life-changing. I mean, it was able. I was able to actually say, oh, I can get up and make a cup of coffee. Oh, this is fun. Mm-hmm. And um, also seeing everyone else working from home for mm-hmm. two, three years now. It's like, well, why can't I do that? I mean, I know it's not all amazing to work from home. But nothing is. But exactly. And everybody's like, well, it's tough to have that balance. But you have the opportunity to make that balance when you're working from home because you're not stuck behind the wheel of Mm -hmm. a vehicle. But also a decrease in traffic during COVID Mm -hmm. was very nice. I was getting to work in 36 minutes. Wow. Um, Whereas now it's an hour and 45 minutes yeah. one direction was this the first time that work-life balance that concept came into your mind once we hit covid and you were spending time at home and time in the office it was a realization that i deserved it more so okay. than that's really important mm-hmm. so that's yeah. and that that is one of the things that we talk about how much we live our life on autopilot and autopilot for some things is really important is that that's the way mm-hmm. we as human beings are able to multitask on all the things that we need to do in our life from getting up if I feel like I have to go to the bathroom and walking to the bathroom without having to consciously think left, right, left, right, you know, turn knob. But there's so many things in our life as 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 adults and as professionals and as Americans that we are are told you have to drive hard, you have to plant the flag. As yeah. children of immigrants, that's a whole other level of success. And if you're male, that's a whole other level of success that you have to achieve that none of us really have ever had the the opportunity to think, well, what about me? What do I deserve? Is this making me happy? Right. And I want to touch base back on quiet quitting and how it wasn't an option for me. Yeah. Why? Um, there was no way for me just to sit back and do minimum or do the minimum. Is that because you couldn't reconcile with that or because they would have caught you and it would have been a bad thing. I (laughs) don't know how else to put it. It was because I'm not a lazy person. There you go. Not saying that quiet quitting means you're lazy, but sometimes you have to do it because you financially can't quit. Mm -hmm. But at at the same time, you have to do that in order to mentally prepare yourself for interviews and finding time to relax and rest and be prepared to job search. That's a full-time job on its own. Mm, And that's something that I could not do. I could not job search while driving. I could not job search while at work because I have a constant flow of clients coming in for me. Um, So for me, quiet quitting wasn't an option. Um, I wish it would have been. It would be nice to still earn (laughs) to be making some money uh, while putting in, you know, minimal to even just 100 percent, honestly. I wonder if it's harder (laughs) when you're providing a service versus just working for yourself and 
providing a quarterly report or, or a yearly report. What do you think about that, Cecilia? Well, I think he's talking about two things mm. that I, I, I want to ask you a little bit more on. He's talking about his own moral, moral work ethic right. compass, mm -hmm. and he's talking about logistics. So the latter uh, is a little bit easier to, to talk about. And, and, and again, in the work that we do at U.S. Executive Search, we, in consulting, we see that it has become such a, uh, a challenge to find, first of all, we're in a talent shortage, but to find and access the right talent because people are just overwhelmed with work. The battle of going back in office versus remote, a lot of people are back in office. They have so much on their plate that they just don't have the mental capacity or the actual physical space to stop and think about making a career change, engage with us or engage with our clients. There's just no space. There's no space to do it. And then especially if you are someone like you going to the moral compass where you don't know how to, and I think it's a wonderful thing about you, not want to trade off the fact that you're all into the work that you do. So how do you balance that? How do you balance still giving everything because you care about the clients and give some portion of your day to yourself to think about what is my next logical career move because you want to be very thoughtful about mm. it and then find the time to do that. There's just not enough hours what's in the day. left of your day because it doesn't seem like you had much time by the time you got home it's maybe make dinner and watch some TV and go back to bed and start the cycle all over again, right? Absolutely. Doing it all over again the next day, Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturday. Mm. Um, and as I mentioned, job searching is a full-time job yes, nowadays there's a lot of candidates looking for jobs in order to stand out you have to be at the top of your game mm. and when you're physically and mentally exhausted how can you be so for me it wasn't an option um you know your body at some point tells you something's wrong mm -hmm. you need to do something different and for 16 years i've been trying to find a new career and mm. it hasn't happened so for me, what is that something different? Uh, and that's why I had to just leave. You said your body will tell you, and, and you're right. I, I believe I, I heard this, um, this uh, Buddhist monk once say that the, the, the body cries the tears that the eyes won't, meaning the trauma that you're sure. feeling, your body, your organs will, will do it for you uh, in, in very unkind ways. When you said you were feeling it, did you feel? Um, did you did you feel it in your body? Did you feel your your energy or your mental state? Did it impact you? Oh yeah! Every time someone asked me, "How are you doing?" I'm exhausted. Mm. Was the answer, wow. and it sucked because I'm not that person to always come across as the one who's exhausted. I love having people over, creating dinner parties, going on you know social excursions, whatever it may be. It's something that I've always wanted to do, just had no time to do so. Um, my body was telling me for sure it's time to quit. Um, I would be driving uh, halfway through. I would get nauseous. Wow. I would get dizzy. And on a few occasions, I know this may be gross, but I would throw up. And that's scary. It's not gross. That's it's, the body it's, crying it's, those yeah, tears yeah, you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's real and it's traumatizing if it's driving down a highway oh so this happened while you were driving while i'm driving oh my gosh driving down the highway even if it's 10 miles per hour um feeling like you have to throw up and knowing you still have 50 minutes ahead of you oh my gosh is probably one of the scariest things you could do in la traffic 
And I did it and I did it and it started becoming more frequent. Mm. It started becoming uh, more serious. Mm-hmm. Um, it started affecting my own performance at work. How can it not? Yeah. Uh, I would show up almost late all the time because I was just so exhausted. Mm. But they didn't care. My my job was happy to have me because they knew how hard of a worker I was. Mm-hmm. And at some point in time, enough was enough. And my partner and I, which I have to say, if it wasn't for him, I would not have done this because oh. I would have probably said, you know, this is what it is. I have to do this. This is how work is. Yeah. But when you talk to those that are closest to you, not everyone, but mm-hmm. just the ones that are close to you, therapists, your mom and dad, and maybe your favorite sibling, mm-hmm. and you discuss those options, and they say 100%, yeah, you need to focus on your health. That's when you know you're making the right decision. Wonderful. Whereas if you just wake up one morning and say, you know what, screw this, I'm not going to work today, <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy my coffee and sit at home, that's a non-calculated decision. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I had to keep reminding myself is that I wasn't crazy. That's amazing that you say that because I think that wow it's all yeah Yeah, it's a lot of so you had to tell yourself that you're not crazy when you're showing up doing the work you're getting physically nauseous physically you're driving there because you are exhausted but still we we give ourselves that pressure and we and we um, judge ourselves that there must be something wrong with me because I'm exhausted. Right. And I thank God that you had your partner um, in your life and your family, and as we call it here, your community of supporters that uh, are there for you. And like you said, that will tell you honestly, and that's what we need. Because if you were doing an, inc- an uncalculated choice, I would imagine that I would say, well, you need to think about this because they would know you. They, and they would probably say, what's going on? This is not like you right having those cheerleaders in your life Mm -hmm. as corny as it sounds (laughs) but having them in your life to tell you you can do this you've Mm -hmm. got other talents you can do things we've seen what you can do we know you like no one else having that reassurance is so important when it comes to a decision like this I mean don't forget this is 16 years of my life Mm -hmm. this is who I am and you're not (laughs) you know you're not 21 so so you're at a stage of your career you you own a home where these decisions have serious consequences absolutely and I I'm really glad that you brought up uh, my age because (laughs) (laughs) I did and I didn't you're you're sitting here smiling very handsome and and looking very young (laughs) oh yeah and and so experience right yes if I'm a woman in Los Angeles and I'm not afraid to say that I'm over 50 come on now you're a baby compared to that I uh, so I'm turning 40 this year Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. 40. And <laughs> like, oh. it seems so long Can ago. Can we remember that? Funny though. Wow. Oh my God. I feel better. I should come every day. <laughs> no, but how wonderful that he's making these conscious decisions even before he turned 40. You know, when you're talking about missed holidays yeah. and missed opportunities, you know, there were so many times, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, where um, I didn't go home to Florida for Christmas or for, for holidays because. I would tell my family, and again, my family was very supportive. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if, if if I can fill in on the anchor desk, they're going to see me as you know, yeah. as in that role, mm-hmm. and eventually it will pay off. Which well, it, it did. did pay off at a cost, right? I still missed holidays. Correct. My dad is gone now. There's no making up that time. What I did make a conscious decision was when my nephew, I think made made it to five or six, when he'd have a 
a mental picture of me mm-hmm. being around. That's when I stopped and I said, I'm going home for Christmas. And I've been going home for Christmas every year and not I, I've never looked back. I don't regret it. So I know exactly what he's talking about. Making yeah. those sacrifices for your career and your family was very supportive. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Being so being forty, it kind of puts you in a really interesting place. You get a glimpse at what your future could look mm-hmm. like because you know, you have your parents who are now in their 70s, 80s, right? Mm-hmm. You're starting to see the health complications that they're, right. they're experiencing. And they went through a different period of life, of right? Course. So it's different for them. But if I have the ability to try to make that change now, why not? And I don't want to have to end up in a position where I have, I can't enjoy my life because of my physical illnesses. All right, so Carlos, you've now been two weeks away from work. How have those two weeks been? How do you feel? Have you noticed any changes in your body? I know not too long ago you sent us a text saying you had walked six miles one day, um, you know, out on the street, just getting some exercise and feeling good about it. Yeah, so leading up to my departure from work, um, you know, I put in my two weeks notice because mm-hmm. I wanted to leave with the ability to potentially come back if needed mm-hmm. in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but those two weeks were really important in making sure that I had a structure, a plan and something to keep myself busy with. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean a structure and a plan for after you quit, not correct. a structure and a plan how you would walk in and quit. It was a structure and a plan of life after Right. Yeah. Making sure that I have life after banking. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. I want to get going. I'm like ready to go. And everyone says, well, you need to afford yourself that time to just relax Mm -hmm. and and understand and comprehend what's happening. Um, And for me, I said yes. But I also want to have a plan and some structure because I don't want to sleep my way through the entire week (laughs) or two that I'm, you know, no longer working. So I like that you said a week or two because that's (laughs) I slight overachiever, but we like that about you. Talk about accountability. So I quit my job to focus on my health. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. a big deal. Mm -hmm. So I planned on waking up every morning, making the cup of coffee that I've ever always wanted to do, Mm -hmm. petting my cat. Plural. Oh. I have two, two. cats. Yeah. Uh, petting my cats. Wait, what kind of cats? Because I love uh, cats. They're just a mix. Oh. A mix of cats. One's black. One's gray. Well, they're, they're easy they're to adorable. tell them apart. Yeah, Great. yeah. Great. Um, I wanted to make sure that I had some structure, so I said every morning I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna walk for at least three to five miles. That's, a, that's, that's amazing, right? Yep. That's a heck of an. That's a, a you know a five. What is it like a, a ten ten k walk? The five k is three miles. So yeah. it's a five yeah. k. Yeah. And I thought, well, let me do that. See, walking, right? Because running is a little bit hard for me mm-hmm. right now. So let me just it's walk. It's hard on anybody. And let me tell yeah. you, you're approaching 40, so you want to rethink <laughs> that. They're, they're running <laughs> outdoors. Um, so working on that was my first thing to do in the morning. Then I said, might as well take advantage of working from home, mm-hmm. you know, and doing some certification courses. So I'm doing mm-hmm. real estate courses just wonderful to give me that two and a half months that it takes to do the three prerequisite courses to just focus on my health giving myself something to do some sort of structure Mm -hmm. even though real estate may not necessarily be something that I want to do Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something that gave me flexibility 
ease, the ability to work from home while still mm -hmm. making use of that time. So that was a easy decision for me to do. And that's what I've been doing for two weeks. Carlos, yeah. I don't know how to ask you, so I'm going to just ask you, and please feel free to to just not even address it and move on if you don't want to talk about it. But you had such a great plan. Um, you, you hit all the things that, that we talk about that we think are important mm -hmm. so that we can have full control or as much control as any human being, which we don't always have full control of our life. And that is that you were thinking first about your health. You were creating a plan yeah. that included your health. You're keeping your mind engaged by taking classes. Mm -hmm. You're giving yourself the space. You're not forgetting about the other things in your life that you love. Did you, did you come up with this on your own? Did you work with a therapist? Did you have somebody else guiding you? Because I think sometimes people need that extra help because just quitting your job that you were successful in that afforded you all these things in your life where obviously they weren't treating you poorly. It didn't seem like they're a wonderful organization, but you wanted something different in your life. And the first thing was to take care of you. That in and of itself is so overwhelming and challenging that that's why most people quit and they go home and they sleep for a week because right. they are just mm -hmm. exhausted. Wiped out. You had the presence of mind to have this plan. Mm -hmm. did, did somebody help you with that? Did you? I wouldn't say there was a particular person that helped me through the entire mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. A lot of it was me running in my head scenarios mm -hmm. of what it would look like after work, mm -hmm. after quitting my job, mm -hmm. um, and bouncing those ideas off of those that are the closest to mm -hmm. me and them saying, oh, yeah, that would be great. That's a good idea. Or, yeah, you should do that. Um, and kind of taking that all in and then stopping it. Because at some point, it was too much. Too much data in? Too yeah, many too opinions? Much data, data we know how that in. works. And you're not Hispanic, and you still feel that. Yes. <laughs> and at some point, I have to put that barrier and say, okay, I don't need all of those messages of, you would be really great at this, or you'd ah. be really great at that. Because you have heard it, and he's very talented at many things, so I'm Thanks, sure you did Juan. hear that. No, really. <laughs> Which we're going to ask you about one in a moment, but go yeah. ahead. Yeah. So having all of that information coming in from exterior stimuli mm -hmm. was overwhelming at some point mm -hmm. and I had to just shut it off take it for what it was worth and then change the subject because it was getting to a point where it was making me nervous mm -hmm. like well what am I going to do and that's why I had to say I'm going to keep it very simple and structured walk in the morning real estate during the day and enjoy everything else all of the hobbies, mm -hmm. all the things that I wanted to dibble dabble in and see what really was something that I enjoyed mm -hmm. for a career. I want to ask about the hobbies, but before I do that, you, you said it was making you nervous. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's one of the things that we as loving supporters that are there for the people that matter the most in our life, we also have to self-regulate and realize when it becomes when we're actually doing the opposite of putting too many stressors adding to the to the stress and the anxiety versus helping relieve that stress and anxiety by by pushing i find that happens a lot in your professional life and your personal life and when you're changing your career and when you're yeah. changing who you're in love with or dating or married to yeah, and to give you a, a prime example of that is telling a first-time parent what to do Yes. You know, how many times yeah. Does, yeah. do those parents are like, 
I know what to do. Leave me alone. <laughs> this is my son, our daughter. Exactly. I want to do what I want to do. And you're, you're probably doing it from a good place or people right. are doing it from, a, but it becomes too much. But about Javi, so mm-hmm. I want you to tell us what you've been doing, but I also, you told us something before, um, <laughs> before when uh, on air that I found so fascinating. So tell me about your hobbies and tell me about that incredibly interesting thing that you did several years ago. Your yes. time on the Food Network, right? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've always found... Um, I guess people like to say I'd like to be the center of attention. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> really? Oh, that's a whole other show. <laughs> it is. Um, but that's not always true. I mean, I don't like to always be the center of attention, uh, said everyone. But, um, I do enjoy cooking. I enjoy. Oh, yeah. Very good at that. Yeah. All, all of us Growing do. up in a Middle Eastern home, food was the center of everything that mm-hmm. we did. My mom was a stay-at-home mother, and she cooked uh Three meals a day. Every meal was a new meal. That is a traditional family. And did (laughs) you grow up in Los Angeles area? No, I grew up in Michigan. Wow. Oh, yeah. Huge uh, Middle Eastern community. Huge Middle Eastern community there. Um, My mom was one of the, I consider, the best cooks. She created. such a good son. She created three meals a day for us, never eating something left over. Um, We have, you know, I have six brothers and sisters who all got married and had at least two to three kids each. Yeah. So we had a huge family, wow. uh, which I'm very excited about to be able to start. Last of seven, no children, <laughs> but know. so many kids. I'm excited about being able to spend more time with them now. So that's that's fun. But my hobby has always been kind of doing something creative. Mm-hmm. And because I like to eat, I felt food <laughs> would be a wonderful hobby to take. So as Juan knows, I was yep. on... Season two of Worst Cooks in America on Food Network. Come on. With that's that's <laughs> kind of a weird thing to be proud of, but I, I am but tell so me about it. Proud what what of happened? It. Yeah. I it's a show where they take unexperienced cooks mm-hmm. and they develop you to become the best cook. Oh. So in, in essence, you're like the best of the worst. Cook. <laughs> the best of the worst, yeah. That's something to put on the resume. I was the I best know. of the worst of the lot. And what an experience. I mean, I worked with Chef Ann Burrell, Robert wow. Irvine. Oh, my. How, how many episodes did you last? I almost made it to the very, very end. So I was on oh, at wow. least seven episodes, I wow. believe. Was I don't know the show, but I know the... Shorter episodes, right? Or shorter seasons. Was, yeah, it was about eight episodes, I believe, total. I made wow. it to like seven of them. Wow. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. It was kooky and crazy and something that I just wanted to try. Um, and I kind of wish I would have stuck a little more into it at the time. But, you know, I had to get back to work. And, yeah. you know, I wanted to make sure that was my priority in life at that mm-hmm. time which it was and uh so yeah so what are your fun. hobbies now what else are you are you just cooking more or what what else are you doing so that's um definitely cooking a mm-hmm. lot um i love decorating interior design wow. i love event planning i love creating menus for events wow. i love traveling um, as mentioned before, uh, my partner, who's from France, so mm-hmm. he's been able to take me on different excursions around the world nice. to experience different cuisines and get influences for, you know, different things in my life when it comes to food. Um, so there's so many opportunities and different things that I want to do, mm-hmm. but it, I get so excited when talking about them that I have to remember to reel myself back in and kind of keep that structure that Can I you see his face. <laughs> like, yeah, you light, you light up. up. Talking about this. I love it. You know, what one thing that I that I notice in the way you talk about the courage that it took, the discipline that it took to do the things that you do. And I would imagine also um, 
having been able to go off and do the show and then be able to come back to work, I think one of the qualities that comes out in you is that you're resilient and that, that you believe in, I'm going to do this, but you just don't throw yourself into it. You think about it and you plan. Um, he also has a keen sense of awareness, which we talk a lot about mm-hmm. here on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah and okay. I think all of those things really help you in, in anything in life, whether it was doing something really fun like having the courage to go on the Food Network in a show where you're the best of the worst uh, and and a reality show, so to speak, to, to making a big change in your life. What advice would you give to to the listeners to, to who are thinking about making a change? Mm-hmm. You know, obviously every situation is different when it comes to what you can and can't do, mm-hmm. but I think the most important thing is to make a calculated decision. Mm-hmm. Um, not something based on emotion, not based on feelings, but based on facts mm-hmm. and laying out a plan for yourself so that you don't start over. And I think that was my biggest fear is I was afraid that if I left, I'd have to start over. And I put myself into that box quite a bit when I was looking for other opportunities. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, I can just do this. You know, I, I can just work at Trader Joe's or something. Which again is a very different level at mm-hmm. your age with where you are in how you structure your life. You have a mortgage, you have other things. So it's very different than we're 21 out of college and everything yeah. fits in the back of our car. Right. Mm-hmm. I was really selling myself mm-hmm. short, mm. saying that I'll just, you know, I can do anything. I don't care. I'm not too good for that. But then it takes that person to keep reminding you that you are better than that, that you can take the experience that you gained from the current position you were in and apply it to the next. You come with experience. You come with that. You Isn't know. it interesting? The mind, the minute you change, you shift something, especially for so many years, the mind immediately wants to close that gap. That fear is creeping in by saying, here, we fixed it. Just do this. Everything's fine. And your work ethic is great. I'll do it. I'll work hard at it. But the better sense, what we call the, the executive brain, has to come in and say, well, yes, you could. God forbid you're pressed to put food on the table. But why? Take a deep breath, think about it, apply logic, be very mentally and, uh, and emotionally aware and keenly aware of what you have to contribute in your life and put a better plan in place. And thank God you had your partner that, that shared mm-hmm. that with you. Do you think you would have made a different decision if you if you two had children or a more complex responsibility in your life? Because I know I, I'm empathetic to, to, uh, to families that are going through this. I talk about this in the podcast. I, I, went, I recently went through a divorce. And I, as painful and as difficult as that was, I cannot imagine doing that with children. Yeah, that's, I wish I, I had more insight on having children other than my two cats. <laughs> um, but I think for sure, um, knowing people in my yes, own family exactly. who have gone through situations where they had to leave, you know, relationships and start over. Mm-hmm. And for me, they all made it at some point exactly you know they came back and it was tough mm-hmm. but working your butt off is tough yeah and no one's on the street that i know mm-hmm. you know no one has completely ruined their life they all somehow bounced back and i kept telling myself that that if i can if this person was able to do it with three kids that's it how come i can't and that was a realization that I had to look into mm. myself and say, I can do that too. 
but it's hard. Yes. I know. I have someone very close to me who's going through a similar situation where, you know, they left a relationship and um, with children, etc. Wow. And of course, I mean, having kids is going to give you a different outlook. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at the end of the day, with the proper support channels, you can make it too. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, and that's why we we encourage people to to create a community, uh, especially uh, since it is now a a directive by the um, health association in the United States that people adults from eighteen to sixty four are checked for anxiety. So we're becoming right. much mm-hmm. more supportive mm-hmm. of of mental health, and we don't mean just people that have a clinically diagnosed mental illness. We're talking about just pure mental health from all the anxiety and stress that all of us have been living through. And especially in those moments where we're having to make some very dramatic changes in our life, having a community is the difference between doing it well and and suffering in silence. So with all that said, what's next for you, Carlos? That's a question that I'm still asking (laughs) myself. Uh, What's next? I don't want to say I'm taking it day by day, but in a way, I'm taking it day by day. Um, it's been I, two weeks, so it's been, I think it's you're been, allowed. <laughs> yeah, this is going on my second week. I feel like I've accomplished already so much. Mm. I don't feel like I've been bored. I feel like I've been able to do things that I've been waiting to do for quite some time. I I see myself following through with the certification courses mm-hmm. for real estate two and a half months, giving Mm -hmm. myself that time to focus on my health. And then, um, and then I'll see where I'm at. Sometimes thinking too far ahead in the future right right. now can be a little scary. Um, But I think I'm confident in myself and the ability to find something that I enjoy while still making money. (laughs) Wonderful. And you've given yourself, it seems like you've given yourself you've prepared financially to be able to take this journey, which is another thing that is very important and why uh, all of us, irrespective of our financial situation or the profession that we're in, being clear-minded about our budgets so that we can, if we're able to, not everybody is, be able to put some money aside to be able to make certain decisions like this or, or be able to care for ourselves through unexpected situations, why it's important. You know, touching on that, you know, being financially able to do a change is something that I'm very, very grateful for. Mm-hmm. And something that I found out after the fact of resigning. What do you mean? Is that my management team was like, well, what can we do for you? Can we move you closer to home? Oh, that's and wonderful. I that makes wanted, me happy. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. wanted to slap myself because I'm like, wow. now you're telling <laughs> me, you know, after this amount of time. But I guess my advice for someone mm-hmm. who may not be in a position to give up health insurance because mm-hmm. their partner, they can't right. jump onto their partner's health That was going to be my question in, right. in preparedness. If someone can't financially afford to just leave their job, whether two weeks or 30 days, whatever notice they gave, rather than silent quitting mm-hmm. or, you know, doing something like that, sometimes it's worth a conversation if your direct manager isn't the one that's going to do it for you and sometimes it's a conversation with someone above or as a team effort but if they see that you're really serious about quitting i think that kind of lights a fire and says what can we do to save him because you had asked for transfers before and it just wasn't available right? because they knew 
also that I would still work. I would mm-hmm. still do this drive. Yeah. I would still enjoy working where I was. I loved my colleagues. And it's probably also because they knew what the, the gap that it was going to be created with mm-hmm. your clients. Right. And that's a problem in, in my line of work mm-hmm. is when you move, it's not always easier. Things become harder. You have mm-hmm. to learn a whole new set of clients mm-hmm. within that community. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was comfortable. It was easy. Mm-hmm. And then I got bored. Mm-hmm. And then I got tired and exhausted and bored. So there was no more excitement left for me to drive that mm. terrible drive. So I think my advice would be is to be a little more vocal and be yeah. confident in making a change for yourself while still maintaining your position. There may be other opportunities mm-hmm. that may not necessarily make as much money, but afford you that work-life balance that you're so dying for. Because things are a trade-off, and that's a really good piece of advice. And, and let me expand on that. Um, because again, it tips into the work that we do. And first of all, we talk about in every aspect of your life, particularly in health, um, your own personal health and in your professional life is to advocate for yourself. And the best way to advocate for yourself is when you have as a suit of armor, wonderful performance, you know, dedication, great clients that come in or customers that come in and say, oh my gosh, he's wonderful. I'm only going to talk to him. So that is just smart. You have that, as I call it, that suit of armor. Second is to always be follow the um the hierarchy of whomever is supposed to do it but if they're not doing it respectfully and professionally find a way to advocate for yourself mm-hmm. and and especially now because the labor market is so tight that firms are more open to or should be more open to giving you some sort of flexibility or adjustment because it's far more expensive and far more right. difficult mm-hmm. to replace you than it is to find a better middle point for you yeah I, I love the advocating for yourself mm-hmm. piece, and I wish I would have had someone to tell me a little sooner before I was already checked out and heading right. one foot out the door that, you know, just ask a little more. Um, but in your mind, when you're in that situation, you're telling yourself, oh, there's nothing. There's nothing there for me. There's nothing Correct. else I can do. They're not going to move me. Uh, I've hit a dead end. This yeah, is as far as I'll go, right? Right. I, I can't do anything else. Yeah. And until you're given that opportunity, mm-hmm. it's so exciting. I've never been more excited in my life. And to mm-hmm. kind of go back to what people used to always say, how are you? And I would respond with exhausted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, now um, it was such a sort of self-realization when my partner was like, hey, how was your day? How are you doing today? It's like, I feel the best I've ever felt. Oh, that's and wonderful. That was a realization for me that this was definitely the right decision to make so this is this encapsulates why we we talk about especially as as the american workforce we have to change and we are changing things like vacation Uh, we we talked about the statistics the the staggering statistics on on a different podcast about the grind of the millions and millions and millions of dollars that are left on the table every year by Americans because they don't take the vacation that they've earned. And just two weeks of you resting, not thinking about work, look at how energized you are, look how great you feel, and we just don't give ourselves that that space. And and for me, that's why also the, the concept of quiet quitting, I have a, I have a, 
a difficulty with and maybe it's just semantics but i think you sitting back quietly suffering gets you nowhere mm -hmm. speak loudly speak professionally speak respectfully but above all speak on behalf of yourself advocate for yourself if you don't find the strength go to people around you and ask them to give you their love and their support and their guidance and have the realization of what's right for you where you can say okay thank you so much uh we you know we're we're, we're done respectfully but that's why sharing your story today it was so important carlos because it it gives it real human perspective it it gives it um hopefully people courage out there and maybe they walk away having learned something about um, a better way to do it or even ignite something in them to maybe start thinking about it and maybe put a different plan in place to to be able to really live the life that they deserve and a life that's going to bring them joy and fulfillment i would love to have carlos back for a future podcast to follow his journey because i think a lot of people are are or, or were in his shoes uh, yes. right now and, and they could learn a lot from him and to see where this story goes. I right? am excited to to hear about it. I, I am excited to see what is going to be your next passion. And I promise that when you come back, we'll have uh, time to have a meal together because I and you can cook in my kitchen because I'd love to see what the best <laughs> of the worst. In action. Yeah. <laughs> the best of the worst can do. So, Carlos, thank you so much. We wish you nothing but success and joy and courage. And I don't need to wish you resiliency because you he are it, right? thank a, you. a resilient, open heart. Oh, thank and, you for having me. Any final words, Carlos, before we let you go? Well, I just wanted to say thank you to the both of you um, uh, specifically for the podcast because I do feel like listening to your podcast from the very beginning I saw a lot of myself in what you were saying and it made me feel like relatively justified in my feelings and oh. understanding wow what I'm going through is normal and I felt that it was important to kind of make a decision. So in the progress of my career, I listened to your podcast and I oh. saw myself throughout every situation. Every, really? Yeah. So in a way, you guys made me lose my job. No, I'm just oh. kidding. <laughs> well, then tune in next episode where we talk about how you put yourself in the welfare line. No. No, <laughs> thank you. Uh, all joking aside, um, I do feel like... Um, it was an inspirational podcast oh. that helped me realize what I needed in my life. And it makes us feel great too, Cecilia. Absolutely. We're kind of hitting all those absolutely. Points, right? We want to be absolutely a catalyst for you to lose the things that are not serving your life, whatever right. they may be. And we do it with hopefully equal amounts of love and accountability uh, that we apply to ourselves. So, yeah, I'm going to be. So I'm going to say that I'm really happy that you willingly lost the job that was no longer suiting you. And I cannot wait for your next, next wonderful. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And that will bring us to the end of another episode of Ends With Z. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please share and tell your friends. You can find out more about us at endswithz.com. For Cecile Munoz and executive producer Sean Moe, I'm Juan Fernandez. Have a good one, because above all else, you matter. Thank you.